0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki Kinzer.
1: Hello, Pete. Hello, everyone. Welcome.
0: Uh, I'm very excited about yet another podcast with you today, and we are finally talking about parenting. Oh, parenting. And given the story that you told me about your night last night, I'm not going to out you. But my goodness, it sounds like what a timely day for you and I to hear about parenting in a pandemic, the pandemic parenting,
1: the emotional management. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be something we're going to really highlight. I actually
0: noticed in our show notes. I'm not kidding. Emotional management's the only thing that's been in, colored in red in our show yeah, notes today. Yeah, I wonder yeah. why that is.
1: That'll be good. Got the self care. Got the routine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we'll good. talk about all those things. Oh, but yeah, we're good. I can't emotional management's going to be good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. Of course, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you, if it's helped you change the way you live your life, if you've learned something from one of our fantastic guests about how you live your life with ADHD, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the. ADHD podcast to learn more. And I have to say, in our online Discord community, this week, we had a Brain Playground guest that did an incredible job. The Brain Playground, it's this place where every weekend, somebody gets to take ownership of the stage, right? This channel is all theirs to do whatever they want, post whatever's on their brain, and uh, uh, I have to give a shout out to Tracy because I learned so much. I, it was one of those emotional things. I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was great. Uh, and so thank you. Sh- big shout out to member Tracy for doing an incredible job with the Brain Playground. Can't wait to see what our next host does with the Brain Playground. So patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Hope to see more of you there. Marcy Caldwell is a psychologist, a writer, and speaker from the great city of Philadelphia, PA, and she's behind AD Dept. Adept. How do you say that, adept. Marcy? Adept. Yeah, we go I'm with adept. adept. Adept with an extra D. Uh, it's a blog behind the strategy, skills, and tools to help you thrive with ADHD. Marcy Caldwell, welcome to the ADHD podcast. So glad to have you here.
2: Thank you for having me. Welcome,
1: Marcy. Thank you. So before we get started, I'll tell you, everybody, because now that Pete has opened the door, <laughs> my situation I had. So I have a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old. And my 17-year-old, uh, you know, is taking the shelter in place, let's say, in stride. And, and, uh, but the last few nights he's been home later than he's supposed to be home and, uh, had a conversation with him yesterday morning about what he needs to do when his curfew is, what he's doing, you know, clearing out all of the parenting stuff that you have to do. And then last night, he's an hour late. I was a little bit upset. (laughs) And uh, I texted him some pretty harsh words about getting home, which is not like me. And even he thought he was going to come home and I was going to like kill him. So <laughs> he comes uh, home
0: as like the godfather is sitting in the I, I was an sitting waiting chair. for him.
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's I, dark
0: I, and all you see is like really, a lit
1: cigar. Much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A- a- except for it was my phone. But yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I had right in my eyes. I was so angry. And uh, he he's like, I'm really sorry. I made it. I made a bad choice. I'm like, really? You think? you think you made a bad choice. So anyway, that was my parenting um, emotional. I don't know if I managed it, but I think he did get the point across. So that was good. So. <laughs> (laughs) So. (laughs) So obviously today in today's world right now with the chaotic, um, you know, coronavirus parenting is extra stressful, I think. Right. Because daily life is not normal. Um, I know you did a presentation at CHAD. Uh, Last November, and it was around parenting with ADHD. We have a lot of parents who are (laughs) listeners of the show who have ADHD, who do not have ADHD. Um, The majority of them, I though I would say, have ADHD, and are either parenting somebody with ADHD or or not. It doesn't really matter. ADHD is in their family. one way or the other. Um, And you did, you had five different strategies that you talked about. And I thought today it would be great to have you talk about those five different pillars, I guess is what they're called, right? Pillars. Um, But yes, I definitely want us to look at that emotional management piece because it would certainly help me out.
2: So (laughs) where do you want to start? Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, I, I I got into this because I work with adults with ADHD. And um, when you do, you <laughs> see lots of parents, right? Um, and when I went looking for resources for people, I found that there really weren't that many. Um, there aren't really any books written about parenting with ADHD. There are, of course, tons of books about parenting children with ADHD, but not when the parent has ADHD. Um, and so I ended up going to the research and kind kind of seeing what the, you know, the scientific literature said. Um, and, you know, and from there, you kind of see all the outcome stuff, but it doesn't talk about kind of what to do. Um, and we, really, most of us just want to know what to do, right? right. Um, and so I put all of the outcome research kind of together. And then from there, I delineated what, I, what I'm what i calling the five pillars of positive parenting with ADHD. Um, And so, those five pillars are self-care, which I put as first because I think we so often put it last, right? Um, All the other things feel so important, and so we put self-care last. Um, But I think particularly with ADHD, it has to be number one um, because none of the other stuff is really possible unless the sleep and medication, if medication's on board, um, nutrition, exercise, when all of those things are present and accounted for, then the other ones are so much more, um, accessible, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So that's number one. And then I, then I talk about routines and habits, um, Mm -hmm. as kind of creating some structure for the family and structure for the parents. Um, communication, um both on in terms of kind of connection um as well as communication of rules and discipline and, and um expectations mm-hmm. um and distraction management um you know kind of putting in the external structures to keep as much distraction at bay as possible so that we're not constantly having to resist it but instead it's kind of done for us Um, and then emotional management and Mm -hmm. I agree I think right now emotional management um, is is really key (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean even just the annoyance level can get so much higher when they're when everybody's around all the time. Right, yeah. Right. There's no space. It's yeah. It's amazing
0: just how small my home feels. Just yeah. because there are, it's weird, there are so many bodies in it.
2: <laughs> but, but and they I, don't leave. So yeah, they don't leave. I,
0: I, think, it's, I, I think it's interesting then to, to just loop back to self-care because it feels lo- so much like, you know, as we're, you know, part of the, the, the emotional response challenge that I might be having is usually because my self care routine is interrupted and is compromised in some way, shape, or form.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that self care really is the doorway to the other the other channels, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That um, that if you have. If you've gotten your exercise, if you've gotten enough sleep, if your nutrition is on point, if you have medication on board, if that's something that you're doing, then you have more ability to, you know, be monitoring any issues as they're unfolding, as opposed to once they've totally blown up, right? Mm-hmm. You have more ability to kind of take some space when you're feeling extra irritated, and you have more ability to come back and repair in case a blow-up has happened.
1: So I'm curious about that. How? What are the strategies that you would offer to people now around self-care when we are quarantined and we're not as uh you know the possibilities aren't there to go out and do a gym class or to go run with a friend you know or whatever yeah
2: yeah, so I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, really great options in terms of at home uh workout in terms of exercise right there are a lot of out at home workouts that have been put forth, um, a lot of the gyms have put forth free workouts. There, there's just there's a really kind of an endless supply of them. Um, but if it's safe for people, I'm really recommending that people leave their house and go, and go, for, a yeah. Yeah. go for a walk. Yeah, go for a walk, go for a run, because I think that you get such a added benefit if you're actually outdoors. Um, and then of course, there's all the research around kind of green space and what that does for our focus and concentration and. Mood, right? So, if you have the ability to safely go outside and be in green space, that's my number one recommendation. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. get out.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, would you put that and then as part of your routine to make it a priority? Yeah, is that exactly? What recommend? Okay.
2: Yeah, I think I think sleep and exercise right now have to be the number one priority, mm-hmm. right? That that you're because and and I'm finding that this is really. A challenge for a lot of people now that you know things are so much more flexible, right? It's yeah. it's hard to get to bed right now. You know we're like, you know, binging Tiger King on Netflix, and, <laughs> and it's hard to turn it off. Right. Um, and and yet when that sleep schedule gets thrown off, um, you know, oftentimes we still have a Zoom meeting at nine in the morning, um, and so that just means that you get less and less sleep. Right. Rather than actually kind of being able to sleep in, and particularly for parents, particularly for parents of young kids, you know, you 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 get up no matter what, <laughs> um, and and so getting to bed. If if we're really going to kind of zero in on top priorities, I'm going to say getting to bed on time is the number number one top priority. So
1: that kind of I think ties into distract distraction management Mm -hmm. because when I talk to many of my clients and almost all of them have sleep issues a lot of the distraction is the phone or a device right so do you recommend something else like do you I mean I know that there's times where people will recommend like you know shut off devices at a certain time Mm -hmm. or I don't know what are your thoughts around around that
2: Yeah. With my clients, I I often will say, okay, so what time do you want to be asleep? And I I start with what time do you want to wake up? So if you're going to be waking up at seven, let's say, then you want to be asleep at 11, right? Because if we're asleep at 11, then maybe we'll get between seven and eight hours sleep. Um, So that means you want to be in bed at 1030. Um, And so let's turn screens off at 10. Let's give you an hour before you expect your brain to totally turn off um, from when, when you have screens on and you have stimulation kind of bombarding you, right? Um, So if you want screens off at 10, they're not just going to turn off on their own. (laughs) Um, And so we need to kind of put some systems in place, Um, you know, and there are any number of ways of doing that. And I, I kind of I look at which screens tend to be the most used. So if they're on their phone, then I talk about putting on some like do not disturb and um, screen time limits on their phone. Um, you can do that for computers too, right? Like the Freedom app is one that I often recommend for the computer that will just turn it off. Um, and, um, and then the TV is a little bit more complicated. You know, I've, I've heard of people who put like timers on their TV and stuff like that, which is definitely a possibility. You can also put a timer on your modem. Um, but, you know, like one of those old fashioned um, uh, Christmas light <laughs> timers. Yeah, and um, just have
0: literally have power shut down yeah, on literally. your internet. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Nuclear nuclear uh, right, awesome. yep. Um, or I just have people, um, you know, a step before that is you know put some some reoccurring reminders on their phone at like kind of nine thirty, nine forty five, nine fifty of yeah. like. It's, it's getting to be time mm-hmm. yeah I think mm-hmm. how possibly you know
0: it it seems like so much of the challenge at least in the last 4 to 6 weeks is that y- yeah i mean we're used to trying to put you know to to fight the distraction of our devices but the the real challenge is you know what like we're literally looking for distractions right now like mm-hmm. our brains are are focused on finding things to help us not think about yeah the world is burning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that, that sort of cognitive dissonance is like, okay, if I shut down my screens, then what? Then I'm left with my own thoughts and my mm-hmm. own thoughts are fireworks right now. Yep. yep. That's a real struggle, especially at bedtime. You expect me to sit for an hour and just be with my own head? <laughs> are you kidding?
1: <laughs> Calm. <laughs> I don't know about uh, Marcy, but I mean, that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that I'll recommend to uh, clients is to do a meditation app, you know, calm headspace and listen to some of those stories because then you don't have to be in your own head, but Mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, calming
2: you down. Yep, Yeah. I I love calm for that. Yeah. Totally.
0: I, I, I'm a big advocate and I have one by my bedside. I'm, I'm, you know, This will surprise nobody, but I I have a HomePod by my bed, and I love the HomePod because it's a screenless speaker right it is a thing that i can talk to sure but i can also play these meditations i can play ambient sounds i can play you know oceans and whatever i can play that stuff and and that is one of those things that that does help me fight the fireworks brain because when i shut my screen off i i'm like uh, the last person i want to be alone with is myself because he, that guy can be damaging right i need i need to have something going on to drive me audiobooks too i'm a big audiobook fan and so so, setting a timer and just letting it go uh, is is important. Screenless screenless speakers. Some might call them radios, but I prefer screenless
1: <laughs> That's a nice word for that, Pete, really. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Very fancy. Uh, well, I think that's. Uh, also, just oh, regular books work really well, too. Uh, well, I'm that's sorry, true, what is this? right? Yeah. What is that books? fancy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mean a, a book is something people don't read to you? What?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, something I've noticed about books now, I think it's because of my old age. I, you know, when you're reading them on an iPad or a Kindle or whatever, you can zoom them in so that they're bigger mm-hmm. words, mm-hmm. and you can't do that with a regular book. <laughs>
2: I can just
0: see you pinching and zooming the paper. I know it's like, come Why on, get a little
2: bit bigger. I, I have to tell you, my three-year-old the other day took out a, a book and started like trying to poke at it. <laughs> that's funny. And I was like, oh no, no, that's that's different. Screens have definitely been present <laughs> yes. in our life recently. Yes, as, as everybody else, I'm sure too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the emotions because they're they're definitely running high, and I know that. Um, a couple of our listeners talked about, uh, dealing with meltdowns more often right now, angry outbursts. This is especially, you know, for younger kids, not young, young, uh, well, gosh, it's all over the board, right? Um, this particular person, I think is nine-year-old, it has a nine-year-old son. You have three, five, we have teenagers, um, how do we deal with that? How do we deal even with the antsiness of my 14-year-old who's like, well, I'm going to start my new day doing nothing.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> doing my part for the community. It's like, well, mm-hmm. good job. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, anything you can give us yeah. to help us. Please, please help us, Marcy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think of, I like to think of ADHD as a, as a issue with regulation, right, Um, that it's about regulating, of course, talk about regulating attention and focus and things like that, but it also regulates kind of the two main domains of parenting, which are control and connection. And so, the control being kind of the rules and um, guidelines and boundaries, right, Um, connection being that kind of emotional, um, just time with people, talking, communication, communication, Affection, that sort of thing, um, and because ADHD impacts regulation, it impacts kind of the on-off, right? That the ADHD brain doesn't have a dimmer switch; um, it has on-off switches, <laughs> um, and and so I think this is part of what happens with the blow-ups and the meltdowns is that you know the ADHD brain might not be completely aware as it's getting more and more upset and more and more irritated, right? Until it hits that on-off switch and now it's really irritated. So it's kind of, it's building, it's building, it's building, and it's not completely aware of it. It's distracted and over here, but as it's building, um, then it hits that crescendo and now it's like, oh, my God, I am so pissed off right now. And the only thing I can do is blow up and let off some steam, right? And then we react in a way that we don't like. Um, and then we feel the guilt and shame thereafter, right? Um, and so I see it as kind of a three-part process. Um, that, And you can kind of intervene at any spot. Obviously, the sooner you intervene, the better, Um, in terms of, in terms of kind of how it plays out, but really intervention at any spot is useful. So, you know, the first spot would be as the annoyance and as the bad behavior is, is building, right? So whether that's the kid is, you know, oftentimes the meltdowns happen when kids are feeling out of balance. Um, And, you know, and right now, everything feels particularly out of balance. Um, So, kids are much more vulnerable to it. Um, And so, this is where kind of routines and habits really come in because routines and habits help at least account for some of that, right? It accounts for, because what do we put into our routines? We put sleep, we put in meals, we put in, um, you know, time outside, we put in play, we put in school, right? It, like, creates the balance for us. Um, And so, it makes sure that all of those things that kind of can get little kids and, and bigger kids <laughs> and adults, for that matter, um, start to feel irritated and out of whack. Um, it makes sure that those are taken care of. So routines and habits come into play here, but it, it can also just be kind of being aware and being kind of tuned in enough that you're seeing the little signals. And this is hard for the ADHD brain, right? It's hard to attend to the little things because that requires consistency. It requires you know zoning out of the of the other extraneous details and honing in on what's going on with the kid and that's not always what is you know bright and shiny to the ADHD brain.
1: Can I ask you a question about habits and routines? Th- that is something that's that's also really difficult for an ADHD adult to to have and I know that a lot of parents feel uh, you know like they're just not getting it right for their kids. Um, and so I understand the importance of have of having those things. But what if you're not feeling good about what you have in place or it's not consistent or it's not, it just feels different every day when, when you would rather it not be? Yeah,
0: I think particularly because there's that role model behavior in there too. Like if you don't have your own routines and habits on lock, like it's very challenging to have any sort of expectation other than that for somebody else.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it is really hard, right? Like the, one of the biggest issues with an ADHD brain is consistency. And what do you need in order to build a habit is consistency. And so I often talk about it as a routine rather than a habit. Um, and because routines, I mean, habits really need to be built up over time and, and have to happen all the time in order for it to really work. Whereas routine, you can, come, you can fall off of and come back onto and fall off of and come back onto. That is a
1: great point. I hope that people really emphasize, I mean, listen to that. I think that that's a great point, the difference between a habit and a routine. Routines you can go back and forth on
2: and, it's, and no shame should be a part of that. Yeah, I spend a lot of time with my clients on that as it just like what I want to emphasize is resiliency not consistency, right? That I just want people to come back to it. When you realize you've fallen off of it, that's fine. No big deal. Come back to it. Um, That oftentimes it's that shame that then builds up a barrier to getting back on the horse. Um, And it's not useful at all. What really is useful is just coming back. Um, And so once you fall off, just get right back on.
0: Well, and that's actually the I, for me part of that challenge is that it's not just a demotivator to get back into the habit. It's a motivator to do other things, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not good at X, I better go have another bowl of cereal, right? Like I better go <laughs> like do something else that mm-hmm. is not what I that is not in my best interests, right? That's mm-hmm. that I think is the challenge because it's so easy for me to become distracted from my own failure right or, or from my own you, you know uh, challenge then uh, that uh, that it it makes it n- nearly impossible to get back to it like it's so easy to break a routine for me
2: and and you know i think what something you said there is really interesting too though because the, there's a mindset thing there right is that is that um, fixed mindset versus growth mindset, where um, if you fall off of something, then that means you 're a failure but but it doesn 't it means that your brain you know kind of isn't doesn 't regulate its dopamine as effectively and sometimes has it and sometimes doesn 't <laughs> um, right It has nothing to do with you as a failure it has to do with this this regulation of dopamine in your prefrontal cortex. Um, um, and um and so seeing when when you can kind of have that mindset shift of seeing it as, okay, here's the opportunity to start again. Um, here's the opportunity to get back into it. Um this isn't a signal of me being a bad person, it's just a signal that I need to regulate back in. Um then then you kind of open that door again. That's a that's a really good point, because
0: and, and you know, as the the ADHD vessel on the show, it's like easy. <laughs> I, I just sometimes want to want to hammer home for everybody listening that I understand the instinct and the instinct is fixed and it's it's so easy for us to sit here on this show and talk about fixed versus growth and all of these and I totally get it and then also in another time when i screw something up or forget something my instinct kicks in and i'm no longer in the context of being rational and growth mindset mm-hmm. and i'm eating cereal and i didn't even know it you know what i mean <laughs> and so i think it's really important i want to highlight what you just said because this is the big lesson for me that it's not just about like like i'm not going to sit there and drop my cereal because that's a mess like metaphorically and literally what i'm going to do is is look for again the opportunity to get back into the routine that might not be today. It might be tomorrow when my strength is up and my intention is up and my awareness. Well, and
1: is up. I think that's a good point: is having some space between eating the cereal and then opening up the growth mindset again. Right? It doesn't have to be in the moment <laughs> or immediate. Yes. So, I think that that's a um, an expectation or a pressure you can let go of. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And that's the muscle to work on, right? That's the mm-hmm. exercise that we, yep. we are practicing to get to improve our experience with.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and even Carol Dweck, you know, the originator mm-hmm. of growth mindset, mm-hmm. talks about the times that she flips back into her fixed mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we all do it. Um, mm-hmm. And having some awareness of those signals for when we have done it is kind of the first step in then being able to kind of come back to it and walk and talk ourselves through it. So I was kind of talking about the the three steps where you can intervene, right? There, there's the the um, as the behavior is kind of escalating, um, and doing that by kind of honing in and trying to stay as present with kids um, as possible, and then and then there's once that that switch has been flipped, and so now you're irritated, um, and self-care really helps here because it kind of increases, um, the amount of irritation that you can withstand basically. That tolerance um, level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still won't do everything, right? Mm-hmm. If your kid will not stop drawing on the wall or whatever, you're eventually going to get irritated. Um, and so I often talk about the stop method, um, And the STOP method, you know, is an acronym. So um, S being um, SPACE. Or separate, kind of taking, just getting away from the situation. Um, I have been known, and I live in a townhouse, so um, I have been known to go into my basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just say, I'll be back. Um, that's normally all I can kind of get out in the moment. <laughs> I say, I'll be back. I go down in the basement where I can get some space. Um, I, have a, I have a friend who goes into her pantry, um, <laughs> but just anywhere, <laughs> anywhere me can be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Shut them out for a minute. Um, and then take a breath. Um, big, deep, cleansing breath. Um, maybe more than one. Um, that's the T for stop. Um, the O is observe. Um, So first I say observe kind of your own body. What's going on? Is your heart racing? Is your breath shallow? Like, have you gotten into that fight or flight mode? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next is kind of to observe what just happened, right? So... Um, just trying to think the last time my kid really annoyed me, (laughs) um, there, it was, you know, the, the, my two boys were fighting, um, and, um, and so kind of thinking like, okay, what just happened? Um, they've both been together for a long time. This is, um, now I'm kind of moving into perspective, which is the first P of Mm -hmm. stop. Um, so what just happened? They were fighting. Why were they fighting? They've been together for a month, <laughs> mm-hmm. just the two of them. There's nobody else for them to play with. Um, mommy and daddy are working all the time, right? Like, they're really annoyed with each other. They've had it up to here mm-hmm. with with each other. Um, they're not the right developmental level for each other, mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to make it work. So, yeah, they're going to fight, right? So, we bring in some perspective. We, we kind of broaden the horizon from just like, oh, my God, they won't stop yelling to like, okay, what's going on? big picture. Now Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Now that I've added some perspective, I have a little bit more empathy. Um, and this has taken a little while. So as I've been doing this, I've been breathing and my system has been calming down a little bit more. And so now it's stop is spelled with two P's by the way, the Mm -hmm. stop method. So the second P is proceed. So Mm there, then you say, okay, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then now that my system's calmed down, I have some perspective. What are my next steps? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and so then you kind of re-enter and you, and you practice what works. That's so interesting.
1: I really, uh, like the perspective piece because you're really taking the time to look at it from their point of view for a mm-hmm. moment, right? It's not just what you see or how you feel that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah i like that
0: i i wonder nikki if you workshop that how does that change your reflection on your experience last night
1: still mad no <laughs> 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 no i i it's interesting that you say that though pete because i do understand what happened and i know why it happened but it still wasn't um it still wasn't okay when I just had the conversation that morning of yeah. what to mm-hmm. do sure. in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I do get, I do see it from the other person's perspective. Um, but like he said, he made a wrong choice and yeah. he knows it. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, but it is interesting to taking the breath, observing yourself. I mean, all of that is so good because you are, you're kind of tuning into how you're feeling because I think all of us, I mean, whether it's in your stomach or you get red or you get tense, it's like you can feel uh-huh. the, the emotions, you know, mm-hmm. and they come on strong and they come on fast. Mm-hmm. There's yep. no doubt. Um, so this does, it gives you that separation and, and uh, I really like this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so that's, that's the kind of when that energy gets high, but let's just say you blew up anyways, right? Um, you totally had a meltdown you yelled, you did things that you wish you didn't do. Um, and now you can come in and repair. Um, and repair is kind of the third place where you can intervene, right? So then you can say, you can connect with the child and say, I'm really sorry. Your know, mommy shouldn't have reacted that way. I, um, I, I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have said X, Y, or Z. That was, that was wrong in the moment. Right. And so you own it. Um, Which teaches them to own it as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I say, like, intervening at any level is a good intervention Mm -hmm. because this is also really useful. It's really useful for kids to see that, yeah, mommy and daddy blow up sometimes. Mommy and daddy, you know, have meltdowns sometimes, just like I do. Um, And when they do that, they then come around and they make it better. Um, And this is how they make it better. And so having that repair at that level is also really useful and also, you know, good in terms of connection. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Because then it's not just the argument or everybody nagging. It's, it's the connection mm-hmm. piece that you can get, you know, right. un- that unconditional love, still love you, still yep. think you're great.
0: You know, I wanted to change gears just a little bit if if you have insights on this. I think all of these tools are fantastic and they all come to bear in uh, one area that I think a lot of parents are living with, trying to grow through and structure appropriately, and that is quarantine schooling. How do you create an environment that exists to nurture and create a mood and perspective of learning and also by the way you're not a professional and a teacher teacher right these responsibilities are hard for so many people who are also trying to work from home do you have any thoughts or insights on on how you might help people um, uh, manage that?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think it probably really depends on the age of the kids, uh, as to what's necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, for, for my own kids who are three and five, the three-year-old, there's really no schooling. Um, for the five-year-old, he does actually have some responsibilities, um, and some schoolwork to do. Um, but, w- you know, but it's relatively limited. Um, and, um, for, for our experience, and I think this is hopefully true for, for most kids up until, you know, seven, eight, um, where the school, responsibilities are relatively limited and the focus can be more on kind of entertainment and play (laughs) um and so then it's kind of you know finding the right time in the day where they can focus in normally that's going to be in the morning um and creating some kind of routine around that um And if schools have kind of a morning meeting or like any kind of actual check-in where they actually have to show up for something, that's really useful using that as kind of an anchor. Um, And, you know, and for the, for the older kids, I think it's more about kind of meeting and connecting with them on, okay, what are your responsibilities? How can we, how can I as a parent help you structure this? Um, So kind of lending your own executive functioning capabilities to their more limited ones um, and saying like, what, what do you need and what's going to kind of best Help support you in this time with the with the requirements that you have,
0: and then emotional management and stop method and all of those things.
2: Right, <laughs> I have <laughs> and, to keep
0: reminding myself that <laughs> even though you know I, I have two kids who are wonderful and adorable, and they are they have are learning right along with me about their own experience with ADHD. Uh, I I have more years behind me of managing them even if i when i am feeling inadequate <laughs> right my it, it, my level of inadequacy still comes with more experience and even that can be helpful like i just have to that's like a mantra right i can i can still help support even when i feel like i'm struggling
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and i think you know from what we've been noticing at least with our school district and, and with the work that the kids have been doing, it, 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 you were all doing the best that we can. Our teachers are doing the best that we, that they can with the resources they have. And, and, uh, You know, I think that one of the benefits is if your child is having a hard time, then, you know, give them a break. Let them have a break. It's like, don't force it. I mean, I I read something, um, an article about, you know, the relationship is more important right now. So we got to make sure we're protecting that as well and not worry so much about the math assignment, you know, that will get done eventually. It just may not get done in that hour that you maybe thought it would. Um, But I think everybody everybody's productivity is a little bit different right now.
2: So we have to give ourselves some grace for sure. Yeah. I think that's so important, that relationship piece, you know, that uh, it's funny. I actually just reposted, I don't do this very often, but I just reposted on social media a, a quote from a teachers saying, you know, like, I will get your kids back on track in September. Um, What I need you guys to do right now is stay calm and stay connected and stay loving um, and, you know, make this time not a traumatic time because it's the trauma that's going to kind of lock kids' brains. Um, But if we can kind of make sure that this continues to be as, calm and loving an environment as possible as if we can kind of reduce the trauma of this event um then we can get them back on track like it's a couple months over the course of a lifetime they we can we can totally do that um it's not the end of the world um that it's it's the emotional connection. It's the relationship. That's what's important right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I love that yeah, because the perspective there is something that's just so pro-learning, right? I mean, if 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 I have one job, I feel like it's don't let my kids forget what it's like to love to learn something new, mm-hmm. uh, because that that's going to be the anchor for them to go back into school and figure out how to love whatever is there is to learn next. Exactly. This is this is fantastic, uh, Marcy. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, from your quarantine base uh, to join <laughs> us and talk guys. to us about all of this stuff. It's been um, a
2: lovely variety to my quarantine. Truly. <laughs> where would you That's like true. people? Where would you like people
0: to go to learn more about you?
2: Sure. Um, www. adept. Org um, is my blog and digital resource, um, and from there you can also link to my, you know, my professional, um, my practice, and things like that. But um, adept.org is probably um, the best first place outstanding.
0: Links will be in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and hanging out with us this fine day uh, in the live stream. And uh, thank you all for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Marcy Caldwell and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.